Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. Joining me today is Texas Slim on Twitter, at ModernTMan, who's been dropping some incredible articles about the, uh, the, the what's going on behind our food, guys. Like This is the industrial food complex. Now, he's not just writing about like uh, you know off the cuff just sitting there behind a computer screen just putting shit out there he joined a harvest company for six weeks and lived the rough life working 16 hours a day to take a very close look at what is going on out on the field boots on the ground as he would say he's got a shit ton of information to unload on you and this will not be only one episode there's going to be two and three coming up i'm pretty sure I hope you enjoy this one. Please go and follow him and watch what he's doing because he's speaking a lot of truths and dropping a lot of truth bombs. Before we get into the episode, please make sure you are checking out the show sponsors. You know where to stack sats now. If you're in the UK, coinfloor.co.uk, Bitcoin-only exchange. Across the pond, swanbitcoin.com. And in Europe, relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten for all of those you will get discounts commission back or a free 10 bucks in the case of swan to start your stacking please go and check them out you've got to start stacking or increasing your stack then you've got to take control and i know you've heard it before not your keys not your coin but get the bitcoin onto a hardware wallet use the bitbox 02 bitcoin only edition from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten and if you use the code BITTEN at checkout, you'll get 5% off anything in your basket. So you can go and check out the other things that they have there on their shop as well. Please stack safe, guys. This is not a drill. I hope you enjoy this rip with Texas Slim. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you after the show. Okay, well, welcoming to the show, Modern T-Man, otherwise known as Texas Slim on Twitter. Thank you for taking the time and all of the writing that you're putting together. Uh, it's great to great to meet you. Yeah, Daniel, I appreciate you reaching out. Um, I'm glad that you, 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 know, you were attracted to the information that I'm providing, and uh, I appreciate you having me on the show. We definitely need to talk about this, and so yeah. I was looking forward to this morning. For sure. Right. Okay. Well, here comes Lauren because uh, she's standing on hot coals. She's got somewhere to Hi, be. Hi, Lauren. She, How are you she, doing? She wants to ask the first question. Hi. Hi, Lauren. Uh, so my so I heard that you research foods that that we eat, and what is the most interesting food that you have researched? Interesting as far as what is good for you, as far as what is not good for you. Um. Let's say what's not good for you. That's a good question because there's more foods that are not good for us than there are that are good for us at this time. Uh, on a broad scale, I'd say most of anything that's overly processed, of course, 
um, because that is taking away the wholesome of the food. Um, probably the number one thing that I attracted to, because whenever I was on harvest and I was in the harvest company, what we saw was the uh, canola oil, which is actually rapeseed. Rapeseed was actually, uh, it was outlawed by the FDA in 1956 for any type of human consumption. And so if you look, if you, Lauren, if you want to start kind of educating yourself, start looking at the labels and, and pay attention to canola. You're over there, you're in Europe, you're in uh, England, of course. And so look at the ingredients of your packages. England, you know, they, they did a pretty good job of pushing back on rapeseed and canola. But as far as this uh, food complex that we have going on, uh, they're starting to incorporate it more and more to your foods. So the one that I do not like the most is canola oil. And um, we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But if you want to get started with food intelligence, start there. Canola oil. Okay. And then exactly. cut it out. So if it says canola oil on the ingredients listed on the packet, don't eat it. Okay. You don't need to touch it or anything. I mean, it's from anything from your sweets to your candy bars to your potato chips to your cookies. Uh, peanut butter. Peanut butter. It's in peanut butter. And the next, the next bad one right there, they're they're kind of teaming up with each other is soy. Soy oils are very, it's a it's a false protein, it's a vegetable protein, and of course it is genetically modified. They have to genetically modify the seeds every year. And they have to use all these types of pesticides to keep these types of seeds growing. And actually, soy is a subsidy product. Uh, the United States government pays farmers a lot of money to plant, you know, soy. And then once again, we have corn, high fructose corn syrup. You guys over in Europe didn't do it for a long time. But guess what? Y'all are following the lead now. And now we have this new one world food group. High fructose corn syrup, soy, and canola. All bad. You've heard me talk about high fructose corn syrup a lot because I hate it when you guys put tomato ketchup on anything because it's full of that stuff. Oh. Well, that was too bad. I'm still having ketchup. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Oh, you, I, mean, I mean, I know. I mean, I, I'm trying I, to win the, the war here. Uh, I'm you not know. Yeah. down <laughs> ketchup. But otherwise, I'm still going to use the ketchup with my burger. And, um, you know, it's okay to it use some nice. products, Lauren. It's, you know, we're, we're all, we're all, um, we're all guilty of it. And we've always been guilty of it. But they know that we're guilty of that. So what they're going to do is they're going to kind of push you in ways that you're probably not going to want to be pushed. Mm. And um, so the best thing to do is, you know, don't live such an interface surface level life. Be smart. You know, you got to look, you look uh, below the ground a little bit here, kind of see what's going on in the dark that you're not paying attention to and what a lot of other people are paying attention to. One thing that I always tell, you know, my son and, you know, his kids and everything, I said, if they're putting it on TV and you see a bunch of advertising for it, you probably don't want it mm -hmm. because they're spending a lot of money to make you buy a product that probably is not very good for you. So 
you know, you can still have your sweets in the ways that you want, and you can still have food that tastes very good. You just have to be a little bit smarter than the next guy. That's what we're asking you to do. And that's a perfect way to get started. And just kind of how your dad's probably gone down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin, you'll go down the rabbit hole of food. Food intelligence <laughs> and Bitcoin are, you know, in the same uh same place here we're uh, we're bringing them together they're symbiotic in a lot of ways uh good food is decentralized you know bad money is centralized bad food is centralized so we're going to start marrying the two together in everybody's uh thought processes okay do you want to say thank you and head off to your club uh yeah okay so okay. thank you for answering um, you bet lauren and uh, what you can do is, you know, you can be a warrior here in the food and you can start educating your friends. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think they'll get very bored. I try to. Well, hey. school's not going to educate them. Yeah. No, school's not going to because they're they're changing the whole diet, especially in America. We have that infrastructure bill that just passed. And uh, we'll talk more about that, Daniel, here in a little bit. But you just keep on more and persistent. Guys, yeah. Um, bye. Thank you. Good to meet you, Lauren. Good to meet you too. Right. That, that, I've, I've now got about 10 different points that I want to touch on with you. But before we do get into it, this is going to be a great one. I'm really looking okay. forward to this. Uh, and thank you. I, I should give a shout out to Bubba who um, yes. <laughs> connected we us. we got to give Bubba a shout out. Yeah, <laughs> Bubba. definitely the man. He's, he's probably, he might be listening to us right now, hauling 18 wheels up and down. He uh, is actually. He's on his way to the Republic of California. Oh, there you go. Uh, he he put me onto you and your Twitter account, and then I read your articles, and I was, I mean, I I've been down this rabbit hole uh, before. Uh, it helped me lose a lot of weight when I realized what was going on behind the scenes. Sure. But you're blowing the lid off it even wider, and I think this is gonna be something that hits home with a lot of Bitcoiners because, you know, what we're looking at here is separating food from state, essentially. Yes, we've separated money from state. I'm a big proponent of separating education from state. I've done that with three of my kids. Uh, the you know what else is there? Health, uh, obviously, right? And, yes. and that comes under food, which is so basic. Uh, but mm -hmm. before we do this, like, let's make sure we get like a, you know a, a, an introduction of who you are, like your your sure. past and. Um, tell the listeners, uh, you know, what you've been doing with your career and then we can start unraveling it all. Yeah. Um, you know, in my paper I wrote, I've always been kind of a writer. <clears throat> it's kind of been a thing I do because I've traveled, I've been around the world a couple of times. Uh, I grew up, uh, uh, a poor boy in a small Texas town and, uh, we come from agriculture. My uh, grandfather came to this part of Texas in the 18 late 1890s in a wagon so we've you know i'm a seventh generational texan you know uh my first ancestors came to texas down south texas that's the only place you could come because <laughs> it was pretty much the wild west back in those days and so throughout the years we migrated up into where i am i'm up in the panhandle of texas that's uh, back in the day that was Comanche land and everything. So we grew up with a lot of grit. We grew up with a lot of uh, awareness of food. Um, everybody in my family, I have, you know, I have a total of eight, nine uncles and aunts. Every one of us came from agriculture. My grandfather raised 
a family during the Great Depression through the Dust Bowl, uh, through two world wars, you know. So we're pretty close to understanding what food is. Uh, we grew up eating from the garden. We grew up, you know, my my mother, you know, she she got the eggs every morning, you know, just the typical homesteading thing that's very becoming very popular now. My whole family's been doing that for a long time. And so where I grew up, you know, I wanted to get out and I wanted to see the world. So I basically become a, a wanderlust type of guy. And uh, I landed up in Austin, Texas. And I started with some startup companies and I had some really good successes with them. It was during online software days um, back in the day. And um, I fell into a company that got acquired by a major telecommunications company. I worked in the intelligence labs for them for over a decade. And I started seeing things, seeing things as far as data. You know, what are we doing with this data? Social media, how are we designing social media? And from that point, this is the long and the short. I'm letting, you know, I landed here, I landed in Bitcoin back in 2019, a little too late. <laughs> I was doing other things and not paying attention like a lot of people, but I deserve, I got into it when I deserve to get into it. And I'm okay with that. But what that's led me down is a path to saying, hey, let's look at food as well. You know, everybody in Bitcoin world is talking about a decentralized way of life. This is what we need to do with food. And so I've uh, had some people in my family that suffer from diabetes, heart disease, you know, obesity, all of it, you know, and it's very hard not to fall into the trap of consuming from the industrial food complex. We're all guilty of it and I'm tired of it. It's a form of a genocide, I think, in the long term. Uh, it's short. What we're doing is we're creating a high um, high time preference, low value life. And uh, based on consumption, what does that mean? Well, you I mean you consume more in a shorter period of a lifespan. So it's time for us in the Bitcoin world is to start understanding what a low time preference, high value life is that gives us more time on this earth. That starts with the seed. It starts with agriculture. Where are the seeds? Where are they coming from? What are they doing? And then everything else is going to evolve from there. What is kind of um, striking me is I, I was expecting you to be like a millennial guy when when we right. were like DMing each other. So I, I would like sure. to kind of point that, make, make this like, uh, you know, understandable to the listeners. You, you know, you, mm -hmm. you've, you kept, you've had a long career looking at this kind of stuff. Do you, do you mind sharing how yeah. old you are? Uh, I'm a Gen Xer. So uh, that's, you know, and I've been around, I started, I left home when I was 16, you know, so I got an early start in technology. And so, you know, I'm an internationally certified ski instructor. You know, I've been on harvest. I embedded myself in a harvest company. I used to break horses. You know, I, I'm an operator of a, I can operate a train. I'm a train engineer. So, you know, I am not your typical guy. Whenever I got embedded into the intelligence apparatus of our telecommunications company, that was by me. It was not some in, institutional academia. I don't have a college degree. I read books. And so, you know, I, I've never been in the institutional world. If I am, they're working for me and they don't know it. And so that's how I've always framed my life. 
And so, yes, I've had a career, but I don't even think it's a lifestyle. I've always had a lifestyle. Austin was fun back then. You know, we, it was startup, you know, we, we rode our mountain bikes to work. You know, we, we went swimming during lunch in Barton Springs, you know, we did things that you just, you just don't see anymore. And so I'm not a millennial. I, I actually have the, the MTM initiative. I work with a lot of millennials saying you're being lied to. Let's change the way that you're living. And if you want to get based in life, come on, let's go down this road. And you're going to have to learn how to start doing some intelligence work for yourself and for your family. Yeah, so. completely. And would you mind explaining to us, um, we're not that uh, up on the Dust Bowl, uh, what, what sure. happened back in, in, that, uh, in those times? Yeah, it was in the 1930s. It was right after, you know, the 1920s, the Roaring Twenties. And, um, you know, everything, the Roaring Twenties wasn't just the smart stock market. It's a lot what we're seeing right now. There was a lot of um, value stolen out of money value stolen out of people's lives. It was very interface surface level stuff. That even happened within the agricultural world. What happened is the Great Plains, the Midwest, all the way from Texas, all the way up to North Dakota, you know, we were farming wheat and we were, we were tilling the ground. We were, we were turning the ground in a way that was actually very dangerous. It wasn't done in a, in a way that the, the dirt was able to settle. And so every year we were turning that dirt, it became a top of topsoil that was very fragile. And so we went through some droughts and basically the Midwest, and especially this part of Texas, became a, a dust cloud for about 10 years. And uh, so people starved. And that's when you had the big migration from Oklahoma, Texas, you know, even Kansas, those places, they all moved out to California. And that was the big rush to California. A lot of people don't realize that. And so the Dust Bowl, it, it's, it, it starved our agricultural world. Um, we had to reinvent the way that we tilled the ground. And then we had to start over. And in a lot of ways, that brought in the, you know, the U.S. Agricultural Department. And basically, we started becoming dependent on government. Before that, we weren't. We were, this is how you survived. You planted your food. And like in during the revolution, you know, Thomas Jefferson times, 90% of people created their own food and they were in the agricultural department. Now, less than 1% of the United States population is in the agricultural world. A lot of people don't realize that. That 1%, of course, is the big industrial food complex that they're trying to turn into one world food group. So it's almost like back in those days, you know, when, when the Dust Bowl happened, that was the perfect excuse for them to form some kind of centralized power to start putting policies and regulations in place to make sure something like this never happened again. Even though, it's yeah. the, you know, if you look at the whole area of the United States, it would have been a very, very tiny area. Of course, starvation and whatever else is, uh, you know, a huge problem. But, you know, it, do, do, do you feel looking back, that was the exact point that they started grabbing power and using that as kind of uh, an excuse. It was the number one catalyst. Right. I mean, it was, I mean, cause you, you look at the dust bowl, like I said, it was in the thirties. What happened in the thirties? Well, they confiscated, confiscated gold. Yeah. Um, you, you could, you couldn't even build onto your house. 
you know, there was metal shortages. There's so many things that happen and, you know, the framing of it and how it happened is what we're seeing right now in a lot of ways, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it sure as hell rhymes. And so I believe that, you know, you had the, the new deal and now we have the green new deal, the talk of all that, you know, screw the wording of it. The, the, the framing of them doing exactly giving more power to the government in a centralized way is happening. And, you know, back then it was painful because the people that were actually very self-reliant, they had the hard skills. They didn't want help, but they, had, you know, what they had done had, you know, they run the ground. And basically that's what we've done. The pH levels, you know, you know, at Ben 777, you know, Nanya, he, uh, you know, he's a biologist. He does soil samples. He knows what's going on. This part of Texas, our pH levels are horrible. One reason, pesticides. Mm-hmm. And so what they did is they, and this has an evolution that we, you know, that I'm going to bring out within the newsletter every week. But yes, I see to answer your question I believe it is the, exactly the same. And uh, they're going to make us more dependent on them. You know, in the 30s, we had the Great Depression and the Dust Bowl were the exact same time. Yeah, right. Okay, let's get into your your six weeks embedded in a uh, in a harvest company, which is sure. your, your first piece. How, how did you manage to do that in the first place? How did you? Well, you know, like I said, I got, I got a set of skills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, growing up, we had dirt roads and we had tractors. We had, you know, you know, you, you learn to talk the talk. I mean, you can walk the walk, you know. Um, you know, I, I wear a pair of boots every day. <laughs> so, you know, you uh, but you understand ag around here where I grew up. You understand the FFA that, you know, the you know, you understand animals. You understand livestock. You understand four seasons. You know, the harvest is something that's very spiritual to me, too. You know, it's something that it means something. The harvest moon, change of seasons and everything. So one day I just said, Hey, I got to go on harvest. I, I, I see something here. I'm not going to be one of these digital surfs that are sitting around just hammering on their damn computer all day and, you know, getting attention. I'm going to go out there because I try to live in as much truth as I can. So I, I wrote a pretty cool email and I sent it out to about 20 harvest companies and I bullshitted my way into, you know, a job. So they said, get to Kansas. I said, let's do it. So we went to Kansas. We started harvesting in North Texas and we ended up in North Dakota. And uh, what you do on harvest is, you know, you, you got to show your stuff. You're around a bunch of guys. That's all they pretty much know. I'm a little bit older than a lot of them. So, you know, they, they test you. And so you gotta, you gotta work the combines. You gotta know how to operate a tractor. You have to know how to change equipment you have to know how to weld, which I know how to weld, you know, you know, there's just things that a lot of Americans and a lot of people in general just don't understand how to do anymore. You know, whenever we, we, I'll tell you the story, how it happens. You go on harvest, you show up. Okay, you're working 16 hours a day. You get up before the sun comes up. So, all right, we're going to go from, let's say, a place called Kobe, Kansas, all the way to North Dakota. Okay, that's going to be with semis and combines and tractors. That's probably about 20 pieces of heavy equipment. So you have flatbed trailers, you have uh, seven combines, you have three tractors, you have grain carts, you have 
12 semis, you have four service vehicles, and that becomes a, a basically a convoy. And so you load everything up. Well, those combines, you know, they have four wheels on the front of the combines, and they have these big headers, which do the chopping and do the harvesting. Cutters is what they're called. Well, you got to take off two of those wheels, put them on the front of the combine, take off the headers, put it on a flat trailer, and you got to do this in units and you got to get them all on flat trailers and then you got to hit the highway Well, then you get to your destination then you got to unload everything got to put the wheels back on got to put the headers on and then here we go you're looking at weather you're looking at dew points you're looking at all kinds of things that are fascinating and there's so much that's involved with it well i grew up knowing that stuff hard skill haven't done in a while but yeah it took me a little bit of time <laughs> i had to catch some shit, but you know it was okay <laughs> it's I, I, we just can't understand how vast it is like i've seen it on youtube um mm -hmm. how vast some of these fields are uh sure. it's it, it, for as far as you can see right uh, yes. it, how long does it take to 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 go like one harvest done i mean how, how do sure. you yeah. Well, and that's a, that's the interesting thing about it. You know, you know, my grandfather grew up, you know, and I grew up looking at the farmer's almanac. I'll take that every day over any weatherman. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we grew up the farmer's almanac. So you're looking and you've, you're, you've got the harvest, the head harvest guy. You know, he's the owner. He's talking to farmers. He's talking to the planters. He's talking to a lot of people. Well, they're they're timing everything. You got you got uh, wheat. We, uh, you got uh, winter wheat, and you got summer wheat. Okay, those are two different types of wheat. So you're you're checking dew points within the wheat. Whenever it's time to pull that trigger, you go. Okay, we've got sections here. We got sections here. Over 600 acres in a section. So, what we did up in North Dakota alone, I'll give you a perspective. We did over 14,000 acres total. Yeah, and it does. You have North Dakota. I don't know if a lot of people have even seen North Dakota. It's, you know, not too many people pay attention to it. But it's, you know, it's a throwback. It is. It's really cool, beautiful part of America, especially in the summertime. It's grass-fed beef. It's rolling hills that go on forever. So you show up at a field and the wheat is there. It's golden wheat. You know, and I post some of the pictures within my newsletter and stuff like that. But you'll go out there and it'll just like you said, for miles and miles, all you see is wheat and it is vast. It's overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But then guess what? You you get those, you you take the combine from the, the small little town, about 300 people, where you're camping out every night in an RV, and you you drive down dirt roads for about 10 miles, you finally get to your destination. You get seven combines, two tractors, and eight semi. It's it's an orchestration that is beautiful to watch. It really is something. And uh, but the problem is that the harvest of, of deception is upon us now, you know, because even the farmers, they're not even looking at the seeds anymore because all they're trying to do is survive. And they're having to plant seeds that are given to, you know, that are being given to them by Cargill, you know, Nutrient, all these big Monsanto companies, they don't know what the hell is in that seed. It's not the seed their grandfather planted. It has an agenda behind that seed. The deception is in the seed. 
This is what, how disconnected is the harvest company from the farmer? Because the, in our mind's eye, we, we believe that the farmer plants the crops and then come harvest time, he's going to go out there and harvest it and go to market. But th this is obviously not the way it works. Uh, you know, no. that's, that's a fallacy. Maybe it, hundreds of years ago, but not anymore. So sure. what's, and you're still going to have, and there's going to be farmers that get pissed off at me right now. They're listening. You still have farmers that'll plant their own land, harvest their own wheat but they're not on the industrial scale, which, and I, and I applaud them because that's very difficult to pull off anymore. But no, uh, I, I, I basically paint a picture of the, the whole agricultural uh, world, the same as the military. Military is very compartmentalized. Same as big tech is very compartmentalized. Our agricultural world, extremely compartmentalized. And that is by design. The harvester and the farmer, well, sometimes the farmer might own the land. It's getting where he don't even own the land anymore. Bill Gates owns that land or another billionaire or another part, you know, per person, you know, or company that is part of the cartel. And so what the farmer does is, hey, all I know is farming. I just want to farm. So it's it's form of feudalism. So the disconnect, they try to understand. They know what they're doing. They know how to harvest. They know how to plant. They know seasons. They know everything you're supposed to know. But what they don't know is the full agenda. They don't know what's going on behind the, the curtain. And they, they don't have time. It's just like most of our, you know, most of us, we're busy surviving. We don't have time to dig deeper and to find out, hey, what is the agenda that's really going on? And that's been my number one sole goal and purpose. I'm going to bring it to light. And I'm going to bring it in a way that's hopefully this is more of a storytelling. It's not some academia institutional type of writing. It's going to say, hey, relate with me here. You know, this is how it really is. And so the harvesters and the farmers usually have a very good relationship because they have to. They have to be in unison to have teamwork. But at the end of the day, the number one most important thing is you get that seed and you get it into a cart. That cart puts it into a grain elevator. And then after that, they're, they get a check. <laughs> they get paid. You know, they don't, they don't really look further than that. They know that, like, you know, wheat is speculated. You know, people are hiding their wheat in silos because they can't get any money for it. But they're getting top dollar for canola this year. Why is that? Canola is a false commodity that kills you. There is no use for canola. You cannot give me one reason to use it in your food. I'll argue with you until the freaking cows come home. It kills people. And it's doing it daily and people in ways they do not understand. But you know what? The farmer's going to plant it because he has to subsidize his own pocketbook so he can come back and farm again. Yeah, man, it's so busted. You used you, well, this terminology, false commodity. Can you just explain yeah. to us exactly what you mean by that? You bet. And I'll bring, you know, I'll bring in Bitcoin right now. You know, what, what the F happened in 1971? <laughs> 1971, we went off the so-called gold standard, which we announced it to the world. We already were off the gold standard in many ways. But what our economy became in the United States, especially, was a debt economy. What does that mean? Well, you've got to create things and 
places and peoples and items that people want to go into debt for. Okay. So what does that do? Well, we got to push more stuff out to this economy so people will spend this fiat dollar. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, let's look at the food industry. We've been playing around with these chemicals and these seeds. And, you know, we're kind of a couple of mad scientists here in the back in here in the lab. Well, we got this thing that I know we outlawed it in the 50s. And it was because, you know, it kills people. But, you know, I think we can make this work. Well, let's create a false commodity. Well, how do we do that? Well, we create this whole new, this, this new equipment. We have to process this false commodity, the seed in a way to where we can make it to where it'll be consumed. Okay, well, what are we going to do whenever it's consumed? Well, we can, we can do things with it. We can fry with it. We can, we can make margarine. We'll, we'll call it the new butter. It's not butter. Nobody even knows what butter is anymore. No, it's, a, it's an oil that's come from a weed seed that basically has a marketing campaign behind it. So a lot of our food industry is a, is a horrible marketing campaign that people pay attention to and they think what they're being sold is true and valid. That's how false commodities work from soybean oil to canola oil to all of the seed oils. There's no use for them. You know, cotton seed, was was made into an oil and a lot of people say oh we don't use canola oil we use cottonseed so <laughs> cottonseed all that was was they got the waste of the cotton after it was harvested they found ways to compress it and turn it into an oil they were able to then genetically modify it in ways that yes people aren't dying eating this anymore so let's put it into a false commodity market that's the food market a lot of ways, it's how our fast food industry has been created, was based on a false commodity. It wasn't on whole food. It wasn't on the way that our ancestors ate. And it did not have to be that way. You know, false commodities. We had lard, talon. We cooked in talon for thousands of years. All of a sudden, you know, the cholesterol movement came out. You know, that's from a guy, Ansel Keys. He, he created himself. He became the brand. He became cholesterol is bad for you. There's no scientific proof of that. We created a hundred billion dollar industry because some guy that the government listened to saying, hey, cholesterol is going to kill you. No, the vegetable oils have been what is killing us. Man, it's so bad. And like the, the and I've got proof. I've got receipts. This is not me trying to get attention. And, you know, and people are going to come after me and they're going to say, oh, you're just whatever. No, I have no intention except to help people and say, hey, your daughter was just on this podcast. She deserves to know better. We don't deserve 46% of kids in the United States between five and 11 are obese or overweight right now. That is an issue. It's child abuse on a, on a grand it scale. It is. Like you, it said, is. you said earlier, something. Uh, what were the words you used? Like uh, uh, mass genocide or something? It's like, a mass uh, genocide. Right. And if you look at everything that we're doing, it does not have to be this way, people. You know, and I get a little heated and I'm going to. <laughs> I'm a good guy, though. But, you know, put it in perspective, you know, thousands of years. <clears throat> I try to put it in perspective like this. In the history of the time that humans have been consuming food, okay, which is forever, okay, a nanosecond of time is the time that we have been 
basically ingesting a nanosecond of time is the time we've been ingesting false commodities, false sugar, false oils. Okay. That same nanosecond of time is the same period of time and can be tracked and traced as the same is the same amount of time that we are obese and we are overweight and we're going through metabolic metabolic failure. They can be tracked on a calendar almost per the day to the month. That is based on false commodities, false marketing plans, and the death of and the creation of the fiat dollar, which was going off the gold standard. It all links in as well, doesn't it? Because it really does. The pharmaceutical industry have a huge interest in everybody being overweight or diabetic or <laughs> well, you know suffering from skin allergies or whatever else you know that, that people are suffering with yes they the the impact you know the pharmaceutical and big ag they're the same company now they're at the very top they're the same people okay i'm going to develop this false commodity that's going to cause this type of illness pharmaceutical companies yeah we've been working on this thing for high blood pressure for obesity for insulin control blah 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 they're doing it in unison at the same time, okay? And so what does that do? Well, it increases consumption because false commodities create a form of hunger. You know, we're going through a mass starvation of nutrients is what it is. And so the, the pharmaceutical companies are going, okay, well, we've got this pill. Sure, we can create this type of pill. Look at all the cholesterol pills. Look at all the diet pills, you know, FinFin, all these things that they've created that basically long run killed people. But, you know, they made a couple billion dollars off of it. So they're okay. And so, yeah, they're the same company anymore at the very top. They're, they're not any different. And now they've bought off our medical uh, community. You know, our medical community, they're not proactive they're reactive. You know, they're going to, they're not, they don't tell you how to really eat healthy. They're going to say, Hey, you need to take these 42 prescriptions <laughs> and they stay in business and anymore, the medical you know, industry, you know, our doctors, and I know some good doctors and I have high, much respect for them, but a lot of the doctors now you go in there, they're, they're typing on a pad. And that algorithm is telling them you better, you know, prescribe this medicine or you're not going to be, a doctor anymore so they are you know they're over a barrel too you know this and who's designing this it's the people at the top the people that are designing the food the people that are designing the pills and the vaccines. This, yeah, yes exactly well let's park that rabbit hole we'll yeah we're gonna that park that <laughs> yeah. i want to like allergies there's been such a huge spike in allergies which i've noticed over the last decade and having kids obviously uh when we were living in singapore uh, mm -hmm. the, the kids, uh, two of the kids were going to the, the international school. We had this list of foodstuffs that you were not allowed to send them in with. And uh, of course the biggest, uh, problem being nuts, you know, nut allergies, sure. um, wheat, a lot of wheat allergies, uh, you know, celiac disease and, and all of this kind of thing. This must all be sprouting from what's going on at the root level of the food and how the industrial food complex has, has been messing with food over the years or and oh, hiding foodstuffs in, in things that you're not expecting. You're, you're eating peanuts when you don't realize it, or you're eating wheat. The, the classic thing they do in UK butcheries for supermarkets is they, they mix in like wheat powder into the sausage filler. So it's not just meat. You, you, you're eating wheat without even realizing you're eating wheat. 
Yeah, exactly. And, you know, there again pops up, you know, a false commodity. You know, it is. I mean, there's a video out there. A guy put a, he made Rice Krispie treats out of sawdust. He was, be, he was able to put 15% of the whole ingredient of sawdust. And he ate them. He didn't even know it had sawdust in them. So this is a guy just doing this experiment at home. And nobody could tell that there was sawdust. Okay. <laughs> so yes, you are correct. This, this allergy thing, talking about allergies, you know, this is a new phenomenon. Once again, this, this, this did not exist back in the day before 1971. This did not exist. And, uh, you and know, it's getting the kids, man, because it's happening at breakfast cereal. This yes. is where, this is the biggest problem, I think. Oh, you know, in, you know, Eric Clapton talked about somebody across the pond, Eric Clapton said, you know, cause he went through rehabs, you know, he had a lot of problems and I saw an interview him a long time ago. he goes, well, when did your, you know, they asked him, when did your addiction started? He goes, started when I was three years old with sugar. Boom, right there. You just nailed it. And it's starting our kids off with breakfast cereal in the morning. Not only is it high fructose corn syrup, not only is it soy, not only is it canola, not only is it false refined sugar, guess what? There's more stuff coming. And what does that do? Those kids are hungry at 10 o'clock. Oh, let's have a snack. You don't need damn snacks. You need to eat whole food in the morning and you can go for the rest of the day. Most of the day, if you if you do it right, you don't need food. We evolved. Sometimes we did not eat for three days. We were eating and congesting animal proteins. Yeah, we ate some berries. We ate some greens. But you know what? We ate animal proteins. And, you know, that's exactly when all this started once again. So, um, you know, not only allergies, inflammations, autism, there's there's a lot of things that you can go back you know, autism has just exploded across the world. And whenever I was a ski instructor, you know, I fell into just because of who I am, I fell into teaching autistic kids, you know. And one thing I found out about the kids is that they were, you know, there was something about it that was off, but it wasn't because of anything, genetics, anything. It was something deeper. And, you know, that's brought me here talking to you. It's such a, a lot of people are going to be getting triggered right now. Um, so I'm, so I'm be hoping, it. Let's go. I, I'm hoping in in a good way. Yeah. Uh, and, and waking up. But you're, you're so right. You know, we ate bacon and eggs for breakfast. Uh, you're mm -hmm. not hungry till three o'clock. But no, bacon you're not. and eggs. I mean, you know, we're British bacon and eggs like that. Right. It's the English breakfast. Bangers and mash, bubbles and squeak. <laughs> yeah. But so somehow English breakfast, uh, you know, like meat and eggs, protein on protein, that got outlawed. You had uh, salmonella. We, we had this whole fake salmonella bullshit sure. being pushed back in the late 80s, early 90s, I remember. And then like the cholesterol thing, bacon is bad right. for you, uh, all of this kind of stuff. But even I remember uh, like the boomer generation, they would have like smoked kippers and eggs for breakfast or scrambled egg and uh, smoked salmon or trout or something like, you know, mm -hmm like let's get back to that people you'll feel so much better than a bowl of cereal with like some long-lasting milk that you pour over it or some other dog shit it's, yeah. <laughs> it's so true you know and uh you know i like i said i grew up how i grew up in small texas town I, 
I don't remember not eating eggs and bacon or sausage. I mean, oh my gosh, I did have 12 pieces of bacon every morning and I was Superman, you know, here we go. Talk about energy. Talk about, you know, nobody was overweight. Nobody in my school was overweight. We didn't eat bad food. You know, this is, once again, it's a phenomenon that's been created by our consumption. And, you know, they play on our ignorance and our morals. You know, we're saying, hey, I'm trying to eat better. I'm trying to read the label. I'm trying to, you know, when a lot of people, you know, they go through and they, they read the label. Hey, they read the label, buy a pint of ice cream or a gallon of ice cream. You know, and they say, no sugar added. Oh, well, you know, hey, <laughs> but that's where people stop right there. They go, no sugar added. You know, it's still got plenty of sugar in it, man. Or you know? low fat yogurt. Or oh, low, low fat, fat is the biggest scam ever created. Mm-hmm. The fat fiction, this, that latest article I released this, mor- released this morning, I embedded that. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but in the article, go look at it. And towards the end, I, I link it to the fat fiction documentary. It's fascinating. You have to check it out. Yeah. Now, back to the harvest thing, because I find sure. it's really interesting. Uh, the last year of my career, I worked in financial markets. And the last year I worked in commodities. Before that, I'd worked with fiat money <laughs> for uh-huh. exchange. So the last year was commodities. And because I was based in Singapore, we were looking at uh, brokering and trading soft oils out of Malaysia, Thailand, uh, Indonesia, Philippines. Um, India. And of course, this was, you probably know the crop, I'm going to tell you, palm oil. Absolutely. God, just billions of tons of this shit, right? Yeah. And I would listen to a commodity podcast that come out of the States, uh, because they would always be talking about um, stockpiles on uh, different ports, and uh, yields in the US um, for soy, because that was a direct competitor for, for palm oil, especially in China, and um, for soy meal, and, um, and and all of this other kind of stuff, which they would chip in and, and feed to their uh, cattle. I started lifting like the, the hood just a little bit on how they were getting these numbers. You know, it was the uh, USDA, right? They come out, I think, uh, each month with uh, kind of a yield projection. Mm-hmm. on certain crops and i was following the corn and i was like how do they measure this because it doesn't seem like how could anyone like predict the yield of a of a cornfield that is like you know four thousand acres right which you're explaining and the method that i had i read about um I'd love for you to be able to confirm this or whether or not you've, you've heard of this, but they have guys go out there. They have people fly over in planes. You could obviously do that in drones nowadays. Um, But they, and looking for holes in fields, like uh, huge gaps in the fields Mm -hmm. where where the the seed hasn't taken, but like uh, the U S sorry, the, the FDA, no USDA agent, whatever you want to call them that is like trying to, you know, predict this yield would drive down through the corn belt get out at random points, walk a random amount of steps into the field and then count the, the, the yield like within like a 10 square meters. I don't know, whatever. But if he walks directly into a hole, then that goes like to zero. And if he will, I was like, what? This sounds like complete nuts. Now, have you, what, oh, yeah. what's your take on that? 
Well, yeah, you, you have the crop guys, you know, you have the, you, you have the speculators for sure. You know, there's, there's career path after career path in the speculation market. You, you know that in everything, right? And so within agriculture, you got the same thing. You've got, you know, it's, it's getting to where, you know, you know, you have the crop dusters that can report, you have, you know, amount of that's been planted. You have crop heights of corn. You have ways that you can pretty much overall get a pretty good, accurate, you know, understanding of what you're producing and what you're going to yield. That's uh, that that was done easily back in the day because you know it was more of you know the profit was going to the farmer. You know the profit wasn't going to the big corporations, and so with the profit margins changing hands in the way that they did, especially in the 80s here in the United States, people lost their farms hand over fist. You, know, you remember Willie Nelson, he had, you know, farm aid, you know, you had a lot of stuff that they were battling back then. My grandfather, that's when he sold all his land was in the 80s. Unfortunately, I wish we still had that land, but we couldn't. But the speculators are people that, you know, have evolved. And uh, crop speculation is not an exact science. It is a speculation and it is done with people that have motivations beyond the crop itself. And so if you're going to have too big of a yield, I mean, you've seen this probably in England. Hey, you're going to burn your crop. Sorry, you got too much. We, you got too much food. Okay, we're going to burn it because we got to control this market here. You've seen that. I've seen that. Okay, over here. You've got farmers that, you know, they've got silos that they don't, they don't tell anybody about. Say, I'm going to go hide this damn wheat. And so, you know, they, 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 they kind of mess with the speculation as much as they can. Guess what? 2021, we got new stuff. You know, we've been putting some satellites up in the air. Okay, now we're doing uh, crop speculation from space. And guess what? We're going to start using nanotechnology to be able to identify these crops. And we're going to do it in ways that nobody even freaking has a clue about. And they're already testing it out in Asia and Africa. Because, of course, you got to speed the world, right? And we're going to we're going to create a seed where we're going to use this nanotechnology where we can see your crops from space and it's going to help the yields. And so we're going to be able to control the yields and we're going to be able to feed more people in the world. Yeah, they're going to use that narrative until the cows come home again. And what they're doing is they're able to identify crops, sections, crop spatial planting from space now. And in the long run, they'll be able to identify the seed that you have planted in your land, on your land from space. Identify the seed, like from which identify company? Identify the seed because it's going to be identifiable by new technology, I won't go into it yet, but it's it's something that is basically a conductor and they have satellites that can can basically see the type of crops that you have planted and they're getting down to the micro nano level. It's so getting- fucked up, man. Like, And I hate this narrative that they keep pushing. Like, we've got to feed the world. We've got to feed the world. It's like, yeah, right, fine. Then why the fuck do you burn crops? Two, exactly. one, and two, why the hell do we have food mountains that are just rotting completely because sure. th- th- there's no buyer for them and there's nowhere to store them? 
like you know who who are you feeding who are you tricking no this is this is not your it's not what they're trying to do it is complete no, it's, opposite it's, it's full-on manipulation i mean you look at whenever covid hit you know in canada you know look at how much milk was wasted how many potatoes rotted yeah and they're going to blame that on a supply chain line issue bs mm-hmm. they didn't they they control the supply chain lines and we're about to see that manipulated big time come into winter here we go everybody got through summer with this covid narrative and they're gonna everything you see all the framing that you're seeing now oh there's gonna be supply chain issues that sure there's gonna be some problems sure there always is you know that's just it's the world we live in but the way that is being manipulated right now is a false narrative and you know and they they do that with food they waste food they burn crops they uh, pay you not to plant crops they will subsidize a farmer to not plant crops holy shit yeah i mean there's something called crt i believe it's crt i get all the little acronyms confused here in the states crt you got land um they'll pay you to just grow grass and to not do anything with that land that goes back into the speculation and the yields and all that that is part of the speculation market which and now they're going to quit paying you okay let's get it this way they're going to quit paying you to not plant that food and well you you can't afford that land anymore hey we got a buyer we got a buyer you know as the shell company of mr bill gates and whoever you want bill gates isn't the only one bill gates is just he's bill gates whatever but he uh you know he's got i've, I've just got a 169 page report that basically has everything about Bill Gates and every one of his finance companies, every one of his shell companies and how they're tied. It's, it's mapped out in a way that you can start looking the bigger picture. So I, I'm going to have fun releasing that one out. So he owns the most amount of farmland in, in the U S farmland. farmland. Yes. There's other people that own more land, but actual true farmland. He's 242,000 acres at this time in the United States of America. And one, one place that I focused on was Nebraska. And uh, Nebraska sits on top of an aquifer, aquifer called the Ogallala Aquifer. It's one of the biggest aquifers in the United States. It's basically been watering our crops in the United States in the Midwest for hundreds of years now. So as long as we've been here, really. Well, it's funny that most of all the land that Bill Gates buys has a, a very good water system as well. Not only does he own the land, he owns the water supplies. So, you know, and uh, so he doesn't farm the land. He pays people to farm the land. But Bill Gates is also heavily invested into four to eight uh, fake meat companies. I've listed those, you know, in my article, you know, and they're designing synthetic beef. And what do you know this year, you know, last week, the UN met in their general assembly for the food supply summit of the world and how they, you know, they're, they're releasing all their plans. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, it goes pretty deep. And you look at Bill Gates's involvement with vaccines, you look at his involvement with food in general, with technology and how they marry together, you know, and here we are, we're metabolically, you know, 
dead right now. You know, we're, we're our medical fields are bankrupt. You know, we're emotionally drained and they're out here saying, well, now you're going to have to start eating different. You can't have any more animal protein. And they're releasing that 14 grams of protein. They don't even say animal protein. 14 grams of protein is all you need every day. An adult. Mental. And a child. That is crazy. I eat over 150 grams of animal protein every day. <laughs> you know, and 14 grams what are you going to replace 14 grams of protein with carbohydrates, false commodities, and you're going to stay hungry. You're not even going to look like you're starving, but guess what? You're starving. Yeah. And you don't even know it. That's why you got to eat every three hours. That's and why you have a headache when you don't eat. Exactly. When you get, you have those come downs when, when you try and fast and you try and diet, this is why people can't stick to, to dieting in, in air quotes. It shouldn't, you know, right. <laughs> like, you know, but that like the, the USDA food pyramid, right? 1992, yeah. this goes back to 1992. Yeah. They released that with like the, the base of grains, like just grains, yeah. grains, grains, uh, and safe did a, um, a podcast with the lady that wrote, um, big fat surprise. And uh -huh. she pointed out, like, if you look at that pyramid, it's basically a pizza followed by dessert. And she's 100% <laughs> right. You've got, the bread, you've got the bread at the bottom, and then you've got, like, some of your one of five a day, however they're spinning that. And, uh, you know, maybe you put pineapple on it, maybe you don't. I'll leave the listeners to, you know, argue that between themselves. <laughs> right. And then you might put a bit of meat on there or a bit of seafood and then finish that off with, a you know, ice cream dessert or a slice of cake. Yeah. that's healthy like what the fuck we all know exactly. that's wrong i mean how can people well people know it's wrong and this is where it gets down to the the source the source of the source of who we are the source of our spirit and our soul you know gluttony is a bad thing and people don't go out to be gluttonous they really don't they're trying to survive. They want to be strong. They want to be happy. They want to be joyous. You know, they want to have a good life. Guess what? They've hijacked our taste buds. Well, what does that really mean? Well, it means that they're basically shooting chemicals to our brain that we don't understand in a way that we weren't taught to be able to say no to. And so, you know, from the consumption part of it, you know, it is, you know, it's a sigh up of, you know, our taste buds <laughs> mm -hmm. and, it, and it goes down to, you know, who we are as people and we have to take a step back. This is not a judgment on people, man. This is, a, this is something that said, Hey, wake up. You and I, you said, you, you know, you, you, you learned how to eat, right? I didn't always eat right. You know, on harvest for six weeks, I ate like crap. And I had to, because you're out in the field, you're eating pizza pockets, you're eating chicken tendies, you're eating whatever they're, you know, it's frozen. You can just, you know, slap together. And I felt horrible. And that's the first time I had eaten like that in a long time. I can only imagine how people feel on a daily basis. And I, I feel, I feel for them. I have a lot of empathy. It's not sympathy, it's empathy. And we have to understand And starting with the food pyramid, you're right. It is. It's pizza with dessert. And we've turned it upside down, put it on its head. Let's just turn it over and start over. 
How do we do that though? It's that you're doing it, we're doing it right now. We're doing it right now. I dare everybody out there this week. You don't have to not eat. You don't have to intermittent fast. Make protein, animal protein, boycott the dang boycott of meat and go out there and eat animal protein for one week. If you're hungry, eat a steak. If you're hungry, eat a burger. It's okay. Go ahead and eat the burger, but make sure it's more meat than it is bread. You know, go out there, eat some pork chops, eat some chicken. You don't have to get all holistic in the beginning. That comes in time. Don't cook with any, you know, canola oil, vegetable oil, none of it. Cook with butter that says it's from the cow, <laughs> not from, you know, an oil from vegetables. You know, just these small steps. That's how we start doing this, because I guarantee you, you're going to feel different. It, you are going to feel different. And you, you have to make a, you know, you have to make a, a sacred promise to yourself. You know, David Goggins, I don't know a lot. A lot of people might know who he is. He's, you know, Navy SEAL. He's kind of a motivational guy, but, you know, he has an accountability mirror. You know, every day he goes in there and he chews his ass out in front of the mirror and said, I'm going to be accountable to you today. Nobody else. And, you know, we can do that. And, you know, eating good is, is definitely, it's extremely rewarding. It's kind of like going down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. It really is. You start looking at food different. You're like, man, wow, I'm not going to buy that crap because you know what? That's one of these major corporations that I'm trying to get away of in the fiat world. So I'm going to make some changes. I'm going to be intentional about my con consumption. You're, you're intentional now about what you're spending your money on, your fiat dollars and how you're doing it, right? Well, let's do the same thing with food. You know, and I'll just, you can cut me off and steer me in a different direction, but this is how I eat in the morning. I get, I drink, I have a, a, a thing of a black tea, you know, and so then I get ready. I down six raw eggs that are local eggs. And then I uh, go to the gym, have a protein powder, and then I usually intermittent fast every day, 18 hours, 18 hours off, six hours. Sometimes it's 20, sometimes 19, whatever. But 18 is usually where I have no problem doing it. And so by doing that, um, I have plenty of energy. And then whenever I do eat, I have a cast iron skillet most of the time. I have butter. I have a steak. And I have some greens. There you go. That's it. And, you know, I'll, I'll do my protein powder. I'll have, you know, in between, I'll have some deli meat. I'll have protein. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of, I have some fruit for sure, fresh fruit. And I'll have some, I grow a garden and, you know, that's it. And that is cheaper than eating the industrial way. People don't have excuses anymore. <laughs> you know, I don't shop on the inside aisles. Maybe 5% of my shopping goes on the inside of the aisles. I'm sure a lot of people have heard that. I shop on the outside and it's so easy. And you know what? It's fun, man. I like, I like preparing food again. I like saying, Hey, I'm going to have a steak every night or whatever it's going to be. You know, there's some enjoyment to it. And I feel good after I eat. I don't feel like I need to take a nap. I'm not hungry and I feel empowered, you know, and I think that's what we all do. We get out of bed every day. Why do we get out of bed? Well, we want to feel empowered. And so a lot of people feel empowered because they start shoving crap down their throat and it gives them a rush. 
you know, or they get their dopamine real quick off of their Twitter feed. Well, I get it in different ways and, you know, and you, we have to be our own mind filters, but we also have to be our own consumption filters moving forward. You can't trust the big industrial food complex anymore. It's that simple. And if you do, if you want to call me a liar, keep on doing what you're doing and I'll, I'll see you. I'll see you down the road. <laughs> I'll be running or I'll be lifting, you know, big old heavy wheel onto a combine and you won't be able to do it. You know, you'll have your bag of Doritos and your Twinkies and your chicken tendies and you'll think, oh, whatever, you know. So you know, the challenge is out there. How would you get six raw eggs down you? I'm wondering, it's like, are you just, you just <laughs> cracking family, them straight into your mouth yeah. or are you what whisking I do them is up? I put like... them in a, a very nice wine glass is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> I act like it's, it's fine wine. No, I actually mentally, yeah, it's, it's something you have to get used to. It's, you know, you know, you have raw egg, raw egg nationalism on a, you know, he's one of us clubs out here on the Bitcoin world. He's, he does the same thing. Um, and there's a plug for him, but you know, I just think that I'm swallowing uh, pieces of chocolate. <laughs> it works. Do you whisk them up? No, whole. You know, just straight into a glass. Straight into a glass. Crack, crack, crack. Seven, boom, boom, boom. I mean, I do the Rocky scene. Uh, Rocky. I don't know if a lot of people have ever seen that. Mm -hmm. I think he did like twelve. But uh, you know, it's not hard for me. It would be hard for others. You know, you can do it in different ways. I choose to to do it raw, straight from the egg. That is that is whole food. There's nothing in there, man. That is, that is the source. And I tell you what, that's a shot to the brain, and you feel it. You feel empowered. You know, and you don't have to cook it or anything. The only thing you have to do is make excuses for why you didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you got to live with it. <laughs> All right, let's let's get back to uh, your work within the harvesting company and what you've been kind of uh, unveiling. But you, at the start of your piece, you, you you know you make it very clear that the people that you work with and the farmers you have huge amounts of, of respect for, like that they yes. they believe they're doing good hard work and they believe they are feeding the nation. Uh, at some point, they're not making that cognitive bridge to what's actually going on behind the scenes yeah that's correct you know i always i always tell people cognitive dissonance is a bitch and it comes in many forms right we all live in denials in certain forms of denial we all create and we we uh, romanticize many many of our wants yearns and needs in our mind it's a it's how the human mind works you know, I see the farmers, sure, they, they know something's up. But you know what? They're carrying on a tradition. They're being respectful to their ancestry. They're being respectful to the trade. They push back as much as they can. But deep down, looking at me in my article, I say, you look at them in the eyes, and some of them tear up. And they, they know what the hell is going on. They know their time is short. I talked to this one guy. He's a, he's a rancher out of uh, Missouri, and I can't say a lot of names because that's not the thing to do for them, out of respect for them. But he has a thousand acres, a ranch farmer. He is getting out, and I said, "You don't even know the name of the company or who the people are buying your land." And I looked at him, and he teared up, and he said, "No, I don't." He goes, "But I'm going to take care of my family." That says it all. 
that's all you have to say. You know, here we go. You look at, let's compare it to the residential housing market in the United States. Our commercial real estate market is dead. What does BlackRock and Vanguard do? They go out there and they offer you 20, 30% more for your house if you're selling it. It's a false housing market right now. It's inflated. It will crash and everybody's going to be a bunch of rent seekers. That is by design. Same thing with land in the United States and across the world. That is what's happening. People are going to be rent seeking for land. Farmers are not going to be farmers anymore. They're not even going to be needed. What they're going to do back, and I tell everybody, you better start learning to live like your grandfather or your ancestors did, because that's where, that's where it's going. If you want to live a true based life, decentralized, and live somewhat of health of body and mind and spirit. And, um, you know, that it's not coming tomorrow, but it, there is a plan. It's part of the 2030 plan that they've got. You know, it's going to be dripped approach. It's a drip approach as they do everything. So these guys are, they're hurting. They don't know how to deal with it. But you know what? Every morning they get up, they get to see that sun come up, you know, and they're doing something. They're feeling empowered. And that, that still means something to them. And so they're going to do what they can do. And they're going to make as much money as they can make. Because you know what? They're going to take care of their family. Can they push back? Or is there, there's just no chance? Yeah, yeah there's pushback. And you're, you're going to see it um, depends on how dependent you really are. You know, let, let's look at it that way. And this is what you're going to start seeing. You know, you got people like Untapped Growth, you know, Joel, you've got this group of guys that are, they're working together. You're going to start seeing the profit margins kind of evolve in a way that it's kind of hard to explain right now. But there's farmers out there doing regenerative stuff that are making money. They're making more money than the industrial guys are. That's going to happen. And we're going to get there. But in, until then, you know, the pushback is going to be hard. There's going to be some spiritual blood, you know, spilt. And there's going to be a lot of changes and a lot of basically cognitive behavior that has to transition. We are in a paradigm shift in society right now. And that's going to be part of it. We're going to see some heartache, but we're going to see a lot of innovation. I always tell people with prohibition of anything, you see mass innovation. So that's why it's exciting to me. Innovation of the mind, innovation of farming is coming. Innovation of ranching is coming. And so us big corners, I think we have a big responsibility to start doing like exactly what you and I are doing today. And I'm excited for that. Is, is it going to be tough? Yeah. But, you know, that's, that's, that's why it's worth it, right? 100%. You know, yeah, you fight for something that you see value in, right? It, it, sure. What would be the point of fighting otherwise? Do, do you see the, these farmers that, that can push back and, and say no to the Monsantos and, and whoever else and the Cargills of this world, um, perhaps downsizing a little bit if they've got, like, ridiculous thousands of acres? Um, well, this is where Joel comes in with his regenerative regenerative yeah. farming kind of uh, co-op right that the farmer now can interact directly with bitcoiners that are looking to perhaps come on land share or herd share you know it's very very exciting and this this could be the formation of the citadels and like taking mm -hmm. uh, taking us back to how your granddad turned up or great grandfather or great great grandfather in the 1890s on his wagon uh, yeah. it's kind of come full circle yeah, it really is. You know, you hear people talk about the fourth turning and stuff that's going on. You know, <clears throat> a lot of people don't know that or 
you know, believe in it or whatever. But yeah, I believe that's where we're going. And, and I think that it can happen. Is there going to, are we, we're going to lose some battles. We're going to lose a lot of battles. Um, that's okay. You know, you can't, you know, and early on in technology, we lost a lot of battles. You know, you had the dot-com boom, you had the dot-com bust. You know, shit coins are going to be the dot-com bust, <laughs> all you shit coiners out there. So, you know, that's going to happen. You know, you know, a lot of money was lost. Uh, we had to regroup. You had to, you know, you had to find out what the foundation was and what, what it's going to be. Well, that's what Bitcoin is going through right now as far as the protocol itself, you know, the network itself. We're going to build utility on top of that stuff. And we're going to be able to build an industry on top of that. Untapped growth is going to be one of them. You know, I'm I'm working with uh, you know Ben Seven Seven Nanya Business, you know, and we're local together. We found out that we're local, and so we met in person. I'm building a, a food co-op here where I live, and I've got people lining up left and right, and they want to do they want to do a decentralized form of food swapping. Wow. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, let me tell you, they don't know anything about Bitcoin. They don't know anything about Lightning Network. They don't know a lot of things, but you know what? They know food, you know, and they've got, they're already got, they already got groups that they're talking about. They have a party line already going. They just don't know anything about Bitcoin. They soon so, will. You hang right, they're going to. <laughs> so, you know, and that's the thing about people don't understand Bitcoin and, you know, you know, we hate shilling Bitcoin to people that don't want to listen, right? It's just like, whatever, you'll, you'll come back whenever you're ready. But and I'm talking will. to these people, you know, in the food industry, you know, that are already out there doing this, you know, this whole food type of movement, grass-fed beef, you know, organic farming. And they are excited. They don't care that they don't understand it. They know what they're missing. And they're knowing that there's people out there that want you know, want what they're providing, but they're tired of Facebook, <laughs> you know, they're tired of these ways of saying, hey, look at me, I'm Sally Joe, you know, vegetable, and, you know, not having any luck. So they're, they're ready to take the gloves off too. Can you explain to us what's going on with uh, GMOs and GEs, what you talk about in your uh, article? Sure. So the, the way I understand it is genetically modified organism and then or genetic engineering what, what are the genetically engineering and everything um it kind of goes back to let's start with uh rapeseed mm -hmm. that i started off the episode with was uh you know them outlawing it because it was unfit for human consumption everybody remember this rapeseed was unfit for human consumption and now it's one of the biggest commodities that you ingest every day that's genetically modifying a seed that's taking it into a lab and saying, why was it outlawed? Why was it not fit for human consumption? Well, it was because of this thing called uric acid. Okay. Well, what they did is they went into the seed. They used genetically modified genetic code sequencing. And they said, okay, seed, you're not going to do this uric acid anymore. Okay. They stopped right there. Well, hey, we don't have uric acid anymore. Well, did you test the other million other things that you just changed? Uh, no. Well, why not? Well, it's not what we were trying to fix. It's not the issue. Uric acid was the issue, but now it doesn't have uric acids. And we can say that on the package that, oh, we fixed it with genetically modifying the uric acid out of rapeseed. Well, what about the other things that it's going to cause? Oh, that doesn't matter. Time will tell. And that's been 50 years and look at where we are now. So. 
So genetically modifying is actually going into the cell of the seed itself and saying, we're going to take this out. We're going to add this. We're going to give this sequence and we're going to be able to know the genetic sequence of the seed now. Now we control that seed. It's not whole anymore. It's not of the earth. It's not what God gave us. It is something, it's not that's come down the generations of your, your grandparents that gave you every year because you saved your seeds and you made sure they were gold to you because that's how you're going to plant your food next year. That's not happening anymore. And thus you get the Cargills, you get the Monsantos, you get the Nutrient, you get all these other people that are involved in the seed industry. Well, this stuff goes back thousands of years as far as how seeds were transported you know, you have Silk Road, you have the seed pipelines, basically. Those, those paths are still used today, and they're still controlled by the same families that have controlled them. It goes back to the monarchy times, and you can see that in my first report. And so, well, okay, that's great. Well, control the food, control the people, control the seed, you control the world. And so, well, what, how are we going to protect our seed? Well, we're going to genetically modify it in a way that we can always have a predictive analysis of how people are going to feel within their nutrition, how people are going to act mentally, physically, and spiritually in a way that they don't understand. So how do we do that? Well, we genetically modified the seed. And then we're going to say, hey, we're going to save the earth. We're going to save the populations of all the poor people. Nah. That's not the intention. Never has been, never will be. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you, you've been in Asia. I, I rode a motorcycle across Thailand and Cambodia. Man, I didn't see anybody starving. I saw everybody planting their own crops, growing their own seeds, eating, having fun, being beautiful people. No worries whatsoever. Guess what? We're invading all that land too. Has there ever been a, an instance where like a, a genetically modified seed has been, you know, good for humanity. It, like, is there anything yes. that they can they can hang on to, put their coat, hang their coat? Yeah, onto? and there there has been, of course. I mean, there's some stuff out there. You know, in the beginning, corn, it was it was okay. You know, but what do you do, man? You open up that, <laughs> you open up that pathway down that tunnel. You got good players, you got good actors, you got bad actors. And so, yeah, there's a lot of things that genetically modifying a plant was good, but where does it stop? You know, and it hasn't stopped. And what it has done is created a metabolic failure within society. You know, heart disease is something that is new. We didn't have heart disease during the Great Depression. You never heard of it. It was not something that was common. Do your research, understand your history. Heart disease started, the whole narrative of heart disease started with Dwight D. Eisenhower having a heart attack. This is when they started looking at the heart. The medical field started looking at the heart saying, why did our president look at him? He's perfectly in good shape. He's everything. Well, you have this Ansel guy that goes out there and he created the cholesterol narrative. It took a lot of time. But what they did not say is that everybody that were having heart attacks during that time were smokers. Dwight D. Eisenhower smoked four packs of cigarettes a day. They never brought that up. You know why? <laughs> Guess who was running the reports on cholesterol? 
the tobacco industry. It's not, I'm not making this up. This is, you can find it. Just don't use Google. Google's a joke. <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's an index. It doesn't give you right information. But, you know, that goes back to, it's, you know, yes, there can be good things that are genetically modified. It has helped society in a lot of ways, but that's not the point. It's a point, what is the intention? What is the true intention? And what is the result? What is the long-term effect? And that's what people aren't able to connect the dots to. What's the incentive, right? Exactly. Like, incentive is to make us poor, to make us hungry, to make us starving, to make us, you know, make us turn us into digital serfs, in which we are. We live through the interface anymore. We do not do boots on the ground living anymore. You know, that's that's a that's my term from Texas, but people don't get out there and they don't, you know, get the boots on the ground. And they're very much incentivizing not doing that. They want you to watch the Netflix. They want you to drink your bottle of wine and they want you to put a face diaper on your, on your face. And, you know, they call that science and they call No, it's a form of control. Look what happened in Australia right now. The people that are being locked down in their new detention centers or whatever they want to call them. They're limiting on their food that can be delivered to their door. They're limiting what they can drink. This is going on right now, you and I talking. And so what is that? Well, what is Australia? Well, I think it's a beta test, beta test in a lot of ways. You know, look at the industries that, that flourished during the COVID narrative. You know, it was, it was consumption. What type of consumption? Well, you know, Netflix, you know, crap crap production anymore, crap content, and then, um, and then food, you know, I, food. Hey, we'll, we'll deliver the food to your door. You don't have to even get out anymore. You know, here in the States, you have Domino's pizza and will now deliver to you in a automated delivery truck in certain cities. So automation is coming automation that, you know, whenever you automate food, that's, that means, you know, it's not a whole food that is automated food. That is automated nutrition. That is automated consumption, you know? So, and that's where we're headed. And they can, can drive the, the consumption narrative whenever they want. They just create a crisis. What's going on in the UK right oh, yeah. now is fuel crisis. So everybody's going out like crazy, running around oh, with I their heads that. on. Yes. It's, yes. it's all bullshit. Yeah, well, of course it is. Complete bullshit. <laughs> um, and, you know, we are actually based in France and what was going on okay. when we were locked down, um, they closed all of the family restaurants and businesses and cafes that have been open for generations. You know, the, the most cafes you can walk into, there's probably granny, mom and daughter behind the bar and, you know, dad's in the kitchen or something closed down, nothing absolutely no business subsidies furlough ubi whatever you want to call it they're going to sit fat and happy mm -hmm. mcdonald's completely open no problem so on a sunday when families would typically get together and cook and uh, spend family time together you had people queuing miles around the block sitting in their car with their face masks on waiting to pick up their dog shit food from mcdonald's so that corporation just made money hand over fist selling the bullshit food, which we've been talking about. So it's just not very hard to follow the money and get to the root of the evil who's, you know, pulling these strings. No, it, you know, 
it's it, it's so easy. And like I said before, we live in a state of denial, right? You know, and that's far that's I, I just you painted a picture for everybody to visualize because we've all seen it. And it's the same here in the States is no, nothing different. And, you know, in McDonald's, you know, they used to use Talon lard to do their fries. That was OK. That was great. You know, that was OK. Now, you know, we've evolved as McDonald's does the world does right in a lot of different ways. It is definitely you know, it is a bellwether of a lot of things. Well, let's look at automation, going back to automation, you know, automation of consumption. You just, you just pretty much spell that out. It's not really about the food. Food used to be sacred. You, you know, the granny and the daughter and the granddaughter cooked the food. You watched them cook the food. They came out and they talked with you in the restaurant. You know, that was a thing. Believe it or not, people, that was a thing at one point in time, especially in Europe and especially in France. And so guess what they're doing in Chicago right now with McDonald's? They're automating 14 McDonald's stores to be fully automated. Guess what? Fast food workers, no job. <laughs> and so, you know, they have 14, I think it's 14,000 stores that they plan to have automated by 2024. As McDonald's does, so does the world. So does the fast food industry. As McDonald's got rid of Talon Lard, they went to guess what? Canola. Guess what? Same time, people got more addicted to their fries, got more obese, and they're sitting in lines with face diapers for four blocks waiting to get that thing of fries and that Big Mac or whatever the chicken tender, whatever they are, they sell. <laughs> I don't eat McDonald's. No, nor do I. And you said earlier, go out and eat that burger. But I, you, what you were saying is, Buy the meat, make the burger, cook it at home. Don't go and get a fucking McDonald's or a Burger King because it's yeah. just absolute filth. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's the way to do it. And you, we brought, you know, we were talking about what do we do? I don't eat at restaurants. I eat at one or two restaurants now in, 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 in the area that I am in Texas. One of them's, uh, well, I, three, I take that back. I, I got to have my Mexican food, of course. <laughs> but there's a burger place and they, they do, they grass-fed beef and they do that for a reason. The other place, guess what? It's a steakhouse. And guess what? He raises his own grass-fed beef. So I choose to go to those places. He's intentional. I'm intentional. Guess what? It didn't take me that long to figure that out. Guess what? You're not going to steal my time from me anymore, McDonald's. I'm not going to be that person sitting in that in my car for convenience so you can make me, you know, less of a person. Not going to happen. And that's what people, you know, if you can get that framing in your own mind, if you can make that sacred agreement with yourself, small steps. Here we go. Let's do it. The infrastructure bill. I wrote that down to come back okay. because you said it right at the beginning um, uh-huh. when you were talking with Lauren. So let we'll, and we'll probably round it off here because we've been we've been we've been going a good time. But oh, uh, yeah. I, awesome. I know you've got two other pieces coming out, so we'll have to do uh, another episode um, following your revelations and sure. exposing what uh, what you've been seeing firsthand within the uh, industrial food complex because so many people are going to be fascinated by this so yeah the infrastructure bill which obviously we were pushing back on as a bitcoin community because there was all these weird crypto in air quote laws uh which was great to see people you know try and stand up and, and make some noise 
what did you see in it from from the food side yeah it's funny um i'm glad you remembered to bring this up and it's still kind of being worked out but what i heard early on when they were doing their it's always a marketing campaign right when they're talking about the infrastructure bill and biden himself in the very beginning he said well most of this infrastructure bill is based on human infrastructure boom oh really what do you mean by that mr biden and so well he only said that a very few times in the beginning and so what you're seeing is you're going to have a lot of things that come out and they're going to be social impact studies and social impact programs and the word social is going to be the new one of the new buzzwords of course social 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 that's part of the psyop well, one thing they're doing is they're going to here in America, they're going to basically attempt and they're having pretty good success. They're going to take over to the food supply of public school systems. They're going to subsidize in a way to where your children are eating the new nutrition standard of exactly everything that we just spoke of. So that's part of their human infrastructure bill that they're moving forward. Okay. Beyond that, let's say you always start on the people that need social programs, right? They've always been the test subject for government. And so what they're going to do as well is social programs that, that rely on the government for food assistance. Well, guess what? You're going to have to buy these types of food programs. You're going to have to eat this vegetable protein. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to consume these false commodities. And so we're going to put it in a way that you don't have a choice. Guess what? We own you. It's part of our human infrastructure bill that's coming down the pipe and it's going to come down big time. And um, it's going to be what they do is they create the narrative. They form an agenda. They, they test it out. They do a beta test. They run the simulations and therefore they get it to where they can go back, do the studies on that, do their AB and testing, AB and testing. And then they come back and they said, how can we release this into society that people will say, Hey, this is the new way to do things. It's cool. It's trending. It's pop culture. It's whatever thing that people actually choose to follow every day. If you're following the mainstream narrative that is going on in this world. And so human infrastructure is going to be very deep. It's going to have a lot of meetings to it. Uh, I'll be, I'll be doing more writing about it, of course. And it, it ties into our food. It ties into the seed itself. It ties into our nutrition and how they're going to basically make us to where we're dependent on nutrients in a way that we never have as humans been before. And they've had a lot of success doing it up to this point in time. And it's going to be a trillion dollar industry because you are now part of the stakeholder capitalism, human capital bond market. And what they're going to do with human capital bond markets is they're going to create new hedge funds, just like they did in the housing crisis. You're going to, they're going to go off your data and they're going to go off your consumption and your behavior. And what they're going to do with the house, what they did with the housing crisis in 2008 is you were part of a hedge fund. You're high risk, medium risk, low risk. And so that, you know, you, you were part of, put into a certain type of hedge fund, you know, mortgage securities, you know, the, the whole big short movie, everybody's seen it. Well, now they're going to do that with humans. And they're going to do it on behavior, consumption, and all that. And it's already it's already moving forward. And people talk about, you know, blockchain and cryptocurrencies and altcoins. And they try to compare it to, 
Bitcoin. No, they're not. They're using blockchain in a way that will be able to track your behavior in a way that you don't understand. Ethereum is part of that. You know, Ethereum basically has a contract with Amazon. Amazon just created the biggest database the CIA has ever had and the Pentagon and the NSA. And so what they're going to do is they're going to start trapping our shopping behaviors, our consumption behaviors, and they're going to put you in a hedge fund. And the big players at the top are going to be able to basically own you in ways from marketing value to consumption value. And that is coming down the pipe. And that's what all this is really truly about in the long run is how do they get you into a group that they can use predictive analysis to basically make you consume in a way that they want you to consume. And then the, you'd be split up into baskets like they do in hedge funds, like uh, exactly. double A, A, double exactly. B. Yeah. I mean, he's a Walmart shopper. He's a Target shopper. He's an Amazon shopper. You know, he doesn't shop in the middle aisles. We know this about you because we have your data. He's a Bitcoiner. Where the fuck do we put him? Yeah. How do we get a hold of this dude? <laughs> yeah. He's gone off the reservation. Go get him. <laughs> oh, man, this is fucked up. And you this know, is like we've seen this in the news recently, right? Um, the the Mastercard thing about how they're going to track um, like a carbon tax or something. So now they want to oh, tax yeah. the air we breathe. Like brilliant. Yeah. Like and people uh -huh. are going to be good with that because it's going to be well those people that like spend so you know expend so much carbon they should be punished. And you're like, are you exactly. fucking listening to what's coming out of your mouth? Like it, it, people no. are going to go for it, man. They're going to lap it up they and they're going to yeah. lap up the CBDC as well, because there'll be an airdrop, you know, that they've, they're not stupid. They know how to get you hooked. They're going to like download our app and get 30,000 free Bitcoins, whatever they're going to call them. Like, you know, it, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, people are going to do it. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point at the CBDCs. What they're going to do is they'll do the airdrop. Like you said, hello, UBI. Mm -hmm. You know, here we go. Well, if you're part of the universal basic income, and that's what UBI is, guess what? Yeah, you can use this digital currency to shop here and buy these types of foods. Yep. We know you need good nutrition and we want to change your life for the better. So here we go. We're going to even going to set you up on a social program that'll it'll map your consumption. It'll gauge how much weight you're putting on and you put and then they put on weight. And they're well, you're not doing something right. You need more help. We need mm -hmm. to control you even more. So, yeah, you need this drug. You need yeah. that drug. Yeah, and exactly. You, you walk into the supermarket and all of a sudden something will be half price for you this this week. Uh, you exactly. know, go buy shit tons of that because they're trying yeah. to manage stock or they're, they're over you know, yield on something further down the, the supply chain. Yeah. And, you know, look at the vaccine, you know, how much has Pfizer made? This is like Pfizer made billions of dollars off the vaccine so far, right? Mm -hmm. Oops, I'm going to get in trouble. But, you know, you look at that. Well, what kind of profits? Well, profits off of what? Well, fake fiat dollars, right? Mm -hmm. Well, it's really not about the fake fiat dollar anymore, is it? Nope. What is the vaccine about? Digital passports? Oh, a movement id a tracking system oh i'm in the database now who designed that database oh amazon world services did web services did oh wow okay it's not hard to start looking at it in a way you know take a couple of steps back and you know follow the money your old mate bill money, gates man. your old mate bill gates he's at the front of that right uh he was already oh, yeah. a stockholder yeah. in pfizer and uh 
I don't know how he guessed the market, but he invested heavily $55 million into BioNTech, the small, unheard of German pharmaceutical company. September 2019, he made that investment. Amazing timing, because within six months, bam, Pfizer buy them out or partner in air quotes with them. 10Xs, 55 million on the back of just being in the right time at the right place. (laughs) Yeah, nice one, Bill. I wish I had your skills. Or maybe just maybe there's a little bit of insider trading going on and some really questionable bad stuff i think it goes beyond questionable and bad i think it's definitely a form of and i'm gonna you know i'll say i'm not the first person to say this so don't think i'm some quack out here saying it you know it's a form of genocide in a way we don't understand it's a form of a way of shortening your life and controlling you in a way that you don't understand and once again, it's not a judgment against you, but these guys have different agendas. It's okay to accept that they have a different agendas. Just, just let that small little awareness go into your head and then do your own research. And I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you pathways to do your research and then come back and say, well, you're wrong. And say, oh, really? I got some more research. You want to see it? Because <laughs> I do. I got a lot of research. I got a lot of receipts. And so, you know, and I can't just throw it out there to the world. I've got to drip it out just as they drip out. I got to create an informal narrative. And, you know, and the thing about it is I'm not making any money off of this. I'm a Bitcoiner. I'm living on the Bitcoin standard in a way that I know how. I'm not fiat rich. I used to have some fiat money. My wealth is something different these days. And you know what? It's, 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 my, um, it's my honor to be able to secure that type of wealth in a way that I want to. Not only is that in a Bitcoin standard way, but that is in a food way, that is in a nutrition way, that is in a spirit way, that is in a sovereign way. You know, we're, we're all striving to be sovereign individuals. Well, you better start eating right. You better understand what you're ingesting. That's my narrative. <laughs> 100%. We, we didn't even really touch on Bitcoin. Do it, let's do it quickly. Like you, sure. you, said, you said 2019, uh, something pulled you in. Like what, what was it? What was that kind of click moment? You know, I'll be honest, uh, <clears throat> I'm a t- pretty tough old boy, but, uh, you know, I've had a lot of, uh, I got 20 broken bones. I've, uh, I've got about 14 pieces of metal in me from doing the things I've done. And, um, you know, I, I had a, a internal injury, okay? And um, I had a portal vein that basically got screwed up. And so I got kind of sick. Well, I was, I was kind of laid up a little bit. Uh, you know, I started following some stuff on YouTube and I'd heard about Bitcoin, dang it. And ever since back in 2000, <laughs> probably first time, honestly, 2011 in Austin, I heard about it. I just didn't have time for it. I wasn't ready for it. You know, I was living in a fiat world and a fiat mindset. So I, it took me getting laid up for about six months to say, hey, what's going on here? Because I've heard about this a couple of times. Let's spend some time. Let's be intentional about it. Let's put in this thousand hours that is required, you know, and it, all, it won't always be that way. But for us, you know, especially the early guys, they had to put in thousands and thousands of hours. So I just started putting in some time, you know, and my first investment was $50. And I was like, I wonder if I'm going to lose that $50. <laughs> but, you know, I learned the utility. I learned the security of it. I learned how to, you know, take ownership and wow, what did that do to my life? You know, it took me down a lot of different paths. I lost somebody very dear to me that had suffered from mental illness. And 
they would not eat for days on time. They would not get enough protein to the brain. And so, you know, all of this stuff started coming together for me, you know, nutrition, you know, fiat dollar and Bitcoin. It was the truth to me. It was like, wow, it, I've had that truth stored in me for the longest time. It took me giving attention to Bitcoin to understand it a little bit more than I, I gave it a chance to. And it took me down this path. So it's all formed in together and Bitcoin's the reason. I'll be totally honest with you. It's a form of truth to me that I think is going to save all of us. It's more than just, you know, monetary value. It's more than just a store of value. It's a different way of thinking too. And, you know, that goes into all kinds of people in Bitcoin. You know, we're, we're all thinking differently than we used to. Nobody can say that they're not. And if you're not thinking differently, then you're probably just in it for fiat riches. And that's going to burn you in the long because Bitcoin don't care. <laughs> but it will change your thinking. If, you're, if, if you are listening to this and you haven't reached that point yet, um, it will. It will creep up on you. Uh, you know, yeah. just, just be ready for it. But what, what I'm interested in here is I'm hoping people, the Bitcoiners that are listening to this, it's a Bitcoin podcast and the regular listeners, they might be you know, incentivized to, to share this because it's mainly been about the industrial food complex. Uh, sure. So if they've sent this to friends or family and, you know, assured them, this is not a Bitcoin podcast, just listen to this guy talk about the food and whatever else and the diet. Here we are mm -hmm. talking about Bitcoin at the end. So for those people that might be listening, first touch point to Bitcoin, what resources do you think really helped you and you might point someone towards if, if they were truly interested in learning a little bit more? You know, I, the first, how I first really, I saw, I saw basically a, a, a LARP on YouTube and I won't say who it is, but he bugs the crap out of me these days. He's blocked, <laughs> but that led me to one thing. It landed, it landed me in Bitcoin Twitter. That's the best resource in the world. For me, nothing is better. I don't, I haven't watched TV in years. I don't even look at news. I get all my information that I want to, that I probably feel I'd need to through Bitcoin Twitter. And, I and I'll, give, I'll give a couple of, I'll give one major plug here. At Pirate Beach, boom, Mr. Pirate, he was the first guy that I looked at. So this guy, he's talks shit and he doesn't take shit. I'm going to follow this guy. I followed him. I sat back and I just kind of listened and I read. And uh, one day, Pirate, he he said, "Hey, follow this wannabe pleb." <laughs> you know how he does. He has a couple of you know whatever, and it was it was off to the races after that. And I got informed on a way that man, you can't do in any other way. It's not that you're being led down a path. It's that you're able to follow a path of your own research and you find your own truth within that path. And we're all kind of going to associate Bitcoin in a different way. Here I am talking to you about food. It wasn't my intention. Not at all. Bitcoin led me there. You know, that's part of going down the rabbit hole. What did I figure out with Bitcoin? What did, you know, the rabbit hole of Bitcoin. And so Bitcoin Twitter is it, you know, and um, I love all those guys on there. There's toxicity, which you have to have in a way that people do not understand, but that's okay. They, they get it or you don't. And so the best resource that I can tell anybody, because I have people that are nutrition, I have people in my life that are nutritionists. 
I have people that are heart surgeons. I have people that are ex-intelligence. I have people um, that are truck drivers. I have everybody. So you can't say it's just Bitcoin, Twitter is toxic. No, you got real people in there. You got real hard skilled people. You got people like you, you know, that have changed their lives in ways that you never thought you were going to. And Twitter led me to you. Bubba, you know, said, hey, check this guy out. Yeah, it's such a, it, it's a great, I mean, it's a great response. I, I've learned so much from it. So, so much. And I've uh, read the books, you know, Sovereign Individual, you know, Safeton's, you know, hey, you got the Bitcoin standard, you know, now he's got the fiat standard and I want to talk to him because I was doing this stuff before he wrote the book and now he's got the book. The book talks about the food. I haven't read all of it. I've seen a little bit, but people go and get the fiat standard because it's going to bring a lot of things that I'm talking about as well. So it's just not me, you know, this stranger. You got somebody that's, you know, he's done some legwork leg out there. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah, he does. And it is a passion of his exposing the fiat food. And um, he's going to try and uh, do fiat. Well, in the book as well, there's fiat education. And he's, he, I think he said he was going to do fiat medicine, but that's probably a whole different book. So look that, out for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, I think what I've had a lot of people ask me to do a book and I've had some people say, hey, do a documentary. And I'm really thinking about doing a documentary next spring on the next harvest season. And really, that'd be cool. I'm sure there's and some big filmmakers. That, yeah, it wouldn't be that hard. You get a team of about four or five people. We can get enough of grass-fed beef on the way that we can cook in cast iron skillets, and we got some cameras. We can go out there and do a pretty good production, and we can bring it to life. And so, if, you know, if I get some people to reach out to me, and we can put together a team, because in Austin, I did work for multimedia companies too. So I've been around all the RTF guys, radio, television, and film back in the day. And, you know, I see how they do a guerrilla, you know, production. And I, I think that'd be something that'd be a blast next spring. Cause I think we're going to be really in the, in the depths of what I'm talking about now, we're going to start seeing it more and more on a level that people are going to be saying, Hey, what's going on here. There's a bunch of plebs out there that can help you. Um, I'm thinking of one off the top of my head. So I'll, uh, I'll put you guys in touch. Um, I'm just making a note of that right now, but awesome. all right, fine. Final question. Sure. If you had one orange pill left to give to someone, who would you give it to and why? <laughs> who would I give it to? Man, if you've got any, this is how we're going to change generations. Give it to your children. Make it part of their core belief system. Start now. You know, people that don't want to believe it, people that are too old, too crotchety, too stuck into the fiat world, They'll get it when they deserve to get it. But your children, the young children, be it teenagers, be it, you know, toddlers, whatever it is, they deserve to be orange pilled in a way that they can understand in a way that you are going to be able to create a narrative that they can understand for the rest of their life. Because what it comes down to, it's decentralization. And that's going to lead them to eating better. It's going to lead them to understanding that the news is crap the multimedia, the mainstream media is, is lies. And I, orange pilling a, a young person in this world is, is a superpower. So let's, you know, put on our capes and let's orange pill, you know, the younger generations. Totally behind that. 
really do. Yeah, I think you're already doing that. it, aren't with Lauren, huh? Yeah. Well, with all four of them, I'm tr I try, I try, I try, I try. Um, but uh, and all four of them have been exposed to different Bitcoiners on the podcast. Um, you know, that's part of the the shtick is they uh, one of the kids uh, will ask the first question. It was Lauren right. that inspired that um, first. The first time I was about seven or eight interviews deep in this project and she showed interest and wanted to come in and say, oh, can I come and ask a question of, uh, and it was Andy Edstrom, actually the first person, good old Andy, why buy Bitcoin, brilliant book. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah, she just really enjoyed it because she gets spoken to on a level like you did at the beginning. You don't speak to her like a kid, you speak to her like an adult. She loves sure. that interaction because this is, <laughs> and this brings us all the way back to like what's wrong with the education system and how that does never ever happen in a classroom setting so they feed off that and they want to learn and they are learning uh, just by virtue of talking to so many different people and not just listening to dad go on about it all the time so yeah i appreciate you and everybody else that's come before you um to to talk to the kids yeah and i, I think it's important so you know that's that's where i try to put my focus try to mentor in ways that you know even if they're not my kids that they're or my my son i have one son you know it's that it's hard but once you find a way that like you said talk to them how they deserve to be talked to you brought up a very good point you're not talking to them like a child you're talking to them on a way that they are striving to be and so they want to hear it they're a sponge so you know, if you're not able to shill an orange pill, uh, a younger person, you're slacking, get busy. Yeah. <laughs> Great place to leave it. So thanks for coming on. This this has gone on like an hour and a half, 45 minutes, maybe. So it's, a, it's a big episode. Really appreciate the time. And I'm going to dive into your part two, which you sent me just before we started. Sure. And then, then we'll probably do a part two of this. I, I, I don't see why we wouldn't keep this, this message alive. And you, you clearly got a lot more aces up your sleeve. And thank you oh, for the work definitely. that you're doing. Uh, and, um, you know, let, let's hope you, you get more plebs come and interact with you and, and follow you and, uh, and help you. I appreciate that, Daniel. And I really appreciate you having me on and, um, you know what you're doing i listen to a lot of your podcasts you, you're doing something very good for the space and uh much respect to you and um you know let's let's uh keep the narrative going and um i think that we can we can do some good that's why we're all here right yeah 100 percent. well thank yeah. you so much man really appreciate hey, you too, have a good one all right we'll talk to you soon take care okay bye-bye Hey guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you at Modern T-Man for coming on and sharing all of that. And just to actually clarify, for those people that might be listening to this that haven't come from the Bitcoin rabbit hole, but are tuning in because uh, it's been shared with you to kind of highlight what's going on with the industrial food complex. When we talk about Bitcoin Twitter at the end there, it's not like there's a Bitcoin Twitter app. Just download and open a Twitter account just put in a hashtag Bitcoin and just start following some of the people that you start seeing, some of the characters on there. That's just what Bitcoin Twitter is. You're just channeling your timeline to purely Bitcoin stuff. And you will learn a great deal of stuff. You'll be repulsed by some stuff, I'm sure. But take it slow, see who you connect with and see what kind of narratives are being put out there. Actually, what kind of narratives are being shot down by the Bitcoin community. 
We have a very high sense of calling out the bullshit, which you're going to see on mainstream media anywhere, because the narratives are being written, the actors are being cast for this next push, uh, which Texas Slim was talking about here. I hope you enjoyed this one. I'm going to do a follow-up one with him and carry on through his journey of what he is uncovering and releasing to the wide world. Please go and check out the show sponsors. You know who they are. CoinFloor, SwanBitcoin, and Relay. Use the code BITTEN. That will get you some kind of discount. And please stack safe. Use the Bitbox O2 hardware wallet, shiftcrypto.ch forward slash BITTEN. And catch you on the next show.